friends, welcome to the Scramble Podcast. My name is Brett Erickson. I'm the marketing director at Farmer's Hen House, which is bringing you this podcast. This is the inaugural episode. It's a special episode, uh, not only because it's the first one, but also because with me, we have the founder, not only of Farmer's Hen House, but also of the Organic Growers Group in Kelowna, Iowa, and Kelowna Supernatural, and what else? Anything else there I'm missing, Eldon? Oh, that's covered most of it. That's it? Okay. So Eldon T. Miller is here with us, and we're excited and grateful that he has joined us. Eldon, my first question to you is what does the T stand for? My dad's name was Tobias Miller, and so he gave me a T for initial standing for it, the first letter of his name. All right. That's a good reason. So uh, I go by the name of Eldon T more than by Eldon Miller. Okay. Because there's a few more Eldon Millers around. Okay. It's a common name here, Kaluna. Yes, it is. Yeah. And Eldon, you're headed to Florida tomorrow. Right. What, what awaits you there? Pardon? So what awaits you in Florida? What's the purpose of the trip? Oh, it's just a vacation. And I've got friends down there that go there every year and get to mingle with my friends and, and see some of my cousins from other states and, and just gives an opportunity to get away from the cold and being oh. semi-retired. Yeah. Uh, Although you're not leaving the cold today. It's nice here. It is nice here today. And when I'm down there, I'm sure it'll be nice down there too. And if it's nice here, when I'm down there, I'll be glad for the people that are left behind. That's right. It won't feel bad, right? That's right. <laughs> yes, it's unusually warm here in Iowa in January, and we're, we're grateful for it. So, Eldon, I want to get into the history of farmers, but I also want to get into just knowing who you are more, and I think probably our listeners also would appreciate that. So you're married, correct? Yes. And you have some children? Yes, we have five boys and five girls. And how many grandchildren? 28. But who's counting, right? Pardon? I said, but who's counting, right? Who's counting? Yeah, who's counting all those? Um, So you have 28 grandchildren. Any great grandchildren? No. Nothing yet, okay. And you, just, you said you just hosted them all for the holidays. Yes, we did. And you have space for everyone. Yes, we did. All right. Another unique thing about myself, I guess, when you're talking about family is I came from a family of 10 boys and no girls. Oh, wow. I had nine brothers. Wow. That's, is that common, would you say, in the Amish community or no? Well, it's not common to have 10 boys and no girls. That's it, very rare. Yeah. But, uh, but to have 10 children isn't all that uncommon. Okay. But more the average might be more like anything from five to seven, yep. eight, something like that. Okay, but you have, so you have nine brothers. Yes. Wow. Are they around here too? Not all of them. Okay. Um, and so for some of our listeners who may not be familiar with uh, the Amish tradition, uh, they may be curious, how do you get down to Florida? I, we've got a um, van driver that's coming 
through this area. He's about 100 miles north of here. He had, he's headed to the same area where I want to go. And we had uh, two other couples besides us that wanted to go down there. And he found out about it, so he asked us if we'd like to ride along. Yeah. So we took that opportunity. So no, no horse and buggy all the way to Florida? No, no. Yeah, that'd be a long trip. Well, um, my first question to, to kind of get into it here is, is when did Farmer's Hen House start? Well, it started in 2007. And, uh, 2007 or? In 2007 is when Farmer's Hen House started. I thought it started in 1997. Excuse me. It was 1997 <laughs> instead of 2007. That's all right. I'm only 10 years off. There. Yeah, that's it. We just, we just got through a decade. I was close. So, yeah, what's, what's 10 years? So 1997. It was 1997. Yes, okay. it was. And how did it start? Well, um, we had this grower group that we started, organic grower group that started in 95. And it started in our basement. And we had the first meeting we had was like, six farmers and uh, and uh, we, we started producing organic crops and we were uh, livestock farmers as well and our group kept growing and growing we'd meet every quarter in our basement and uh, we'd discuss issues like uh, marketing and production, and of course, filling out the paperwork that pertained to certified organic farming. And that would be helpful for new farmers coming on and so forth. But because of us being livestock farmers, we didn't care to produce just like corn and soybeans and selling it off the farm. We'd have rather fed it to livestock, so we've got some fertilizer for fields and keep our soil fertility in better shape. And so in three years later, like in 1997, we had enough farmers that want to produce eggs that I started Farmer's Hen House. Um, and uh, it started buying eggs from the farmers and uh, processed the eggs here, graded, packed, and sold to into the industry. And how many uh, farms did Farmers in House start with? We started with three farmers. Okay, and it's grown quite a bit. It has. I don't know how many farmers that would be producing for Farmers in House today, but I would guess probably uh, from forty to fifty in the in the, within twenty five mile radius of Kelowna. Yeah, and then there's some beyond. Yeah, and. I, I remember, um, as we've talked before, you'd mentioned that what the growers group started with six, right? Organic growers group. Yep, started with six. So, so the organic growers group was kind of the predecessor to Farmers Hen House in a way of gathering farm farmers together. And um, and he said it it started with six. And then one of the things I've heard you say is that it became 
one of the most, this area, Kelowna, Iowa, so we're kind of south, central, uh, east Iowa, became one of the most condensed group of certified organic farms in the country. Is that correct? That's right. That's right. Yes, we started with six. And within 10 years, which is like in 2005, we had over 100 certified organic farmers in a six-mile radius didn't all produce eggs, but they were farmers yeah. producing uh, uh, crops of corn, soybeans, hay, oats. And then, of course, numerous of those farmers were producing milk as well. Okay. And so one of the things I've heard you say is that you guys, particularly... Oh, there we go. Got a uh, call on line one. Um, but I heard, I've heard you say that... Uh, in the Amish community, maybe this also includes the Mennonite farmers as well, but you guys were doing organics essentially before, you know, there was organics, right, without being certified organic. That's right. We've got some farms that have never ever had any chemical applied to the soil, no chemical fertilizer or herbicide. They've been organic uh, all, always in the past. And as of today as well, they've never had any chemical applied to their soil. But in 95 is when it started with certified organic. Yeah. Now, now why has the uh, Amish farming community always been organic? Why, why haven't they used herbicides or chemicals or anything like that? Well, everybody, um, it didn't matter who you are or where you were, before the 50s, I guess I'm saying that right, 50s, somewhere's in there. Um, nobody farmed with chemical fertilizers and herbicides. That started coming on about in the 50s and 60s when it really started um, coming on fast. Yeah. And it seemed like it was an easy way of doing your farming and you could clean up your fields real well with herbicides. And it was very attractive because it was easy to do. And of course, chemical fertilizer that really uh, pumped the, uh, the corn yields and so that was in, enticed the farmers to buy chemical fertilizer which uh, we kind of re- stayed away from that somewhat because uh, we don't know what's going to happen with all that extra chemical fertilizer that they apply today uh, I guess personally I'm thinking it has a way of getting into the water stream down below because the plants can't take it all up now. Yeah. And that may be true, it may not be true. But. Yeah, and obviously to, to any farmer, you would think the land is very important, something you want to continue to sustain, and so obviously putting chemicals and herbicides and these types of things into the land is a risk, but it seems like even more so from my limited perspective, and I should say I'm not Amish, um, but it seems like in an Amish community, the land is even more vitally important, particularly because I would assume the hope is that the land would continue to stay in the family and be farmed for future generations. Yes, that's correct. And if we expect to be uh, farming it in the future, we we want to take care of it today yeah. because that is going to be our future. And if we take care of, of the land uh, 
with, uh, with uh, rotating the crops and using cover crops, we've seen our fertility continue to get better and better every year. Yeah. We never dreamt, you know, 25, 30, 40 years ago that we could produce 200, 200 bushels an acre corn without using chemical fertilizers. But with, with a good farming procedure, um, organically, it can be done. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Now, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you are obviously the founder of Farmer's Hen House, but you also uh, started what is now called Kelowna Organics. The previous name of Kelowna Organics was Farmer's Creamery, right? That's right. Yeah. And so with each of these businesses and initiatives really that you started, what was the the vision for that, particularly as it pertains to the local community? Well, the primary reason for it was to develop a market for the small farmer. And uh, the small farmer is what holds the community together, and the small farmer cannot survive unless he's got a way of, of selling his product off the farm. And. Uh, and so most of our farmers were livestock producers. Everybody made their living off of the farm, didn't have a job off the farm anywhere, so they made so their their living was made on the farm, so it had to have a good enough of a, of a, a, a business, I guess, to generate an income for a living. Yeah, yeah, and obviously both of those businesses were, were very fruitful. Yes, uh, they have both been doing well for the with the local farmers. Yeah, what do you credit that to? I mean, you started two businesses that are well, national uh, successful businesses. Well, of course, I've always said marketing is the engine that pulls a train. And uh, you can produce a product, but if you have no way of getting out to the grocery shelf, you know, the consumers don't have a way of buying it. So the mar- uh, marketing I said is the engine that pulls the train, but the train also needs to have some other cargo to go with it, and that is doing the processing, getting it ready for the shelf, and then also, of course, the raw product needs to be produced on the farm, and that's how the train is put together, and it moves from the farm to the grocery shelf to the consumer's table. So what, so what you're really saying is that you're an engineer? Or a conductor, maybe. Maybe a conductor. Train conductor, yeah. I like that analogy. Um, So when you started Farmer's Hen House, did did you have a vision for the future? For I think right now, uh, you know, we're coming up on, this is our 23rd year in existence. Did you expect it to, to be what it is today? Well, we didn't know what the future would bring on. We did not know, but we were hoping it would be something that would, uh, that would um, service our local community. And it has has done all of that, and it went beyond our local community and has been helping other communities reaching out as far as better than a hundred miles. Yeah, yeah. And so, what do you think were the key moments or events that happened from your uh, perspective in Farmer's Hen House history to get it to where it is today? 
Well, the strength that I always say that Farmer's Hen House has got in, uh, in doing what they're doing is uh, they're, uh, they're recognizing the farmer as being the farmer and, and uh, they let the farmer own his own chickens and he, and he, uh, he, he, um, he um, furnishes his own feed and so forth and Farmer's Hen House will buy the product from the farmer instead of owning the chickens on the farm and paying the farmer a fee to take care of the chickens for them like a lot of other industries do. That leaves a little more money on the table for the farmer. The farmer takes more risk, but, but it also generates more income for the farmer. Yeah, and so you feel like that model has really uh, provided growth and sustainability for the business? Yes, because I've seen in the past where, um, where um, the livestock industry would somewhat go by the wayside on the, uh, as far as the small farmers concerned, because the bigger farmers, mega farmers and so forth, they'd, they'd get this deal from a feed company or a processor that they will give them a contract, then they can produce for them, they will pay them to produce for the, for the, uh, for the owner of the product. And, uh, and so the income was a lot more slim, smaller on a per head basis than they had to have so many more chickens or hogs or whatever hmm. to help pay for their expenses because the income per head was so much less. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. So any other key moments or events you felt like happened in Farmer's Hen House history to, to bring it to, to where it is today? Well, um, I guess looking back, I've seen uh, challenges that uh, came about. And, um, you know, there's, whenever you've got something good going for yourself, there's always going to be times when, uh, when you meet challenges as well. And uh, there's been several times when the, when the big mega farmers were overproducing, which created a, a squeeze for farmers' hen house. In 2005, we experienced that. Farmers' hen house was willing to work with the farmers, and we, uh, we uh, worked together and uh, we had a board that uh, worked between the farmer and farmer's hen house to keep us all on the same page. And we worked through that and we all came through um, very well and it's been, it's been uh, doing well ever since. Yeah. So those kind of challenges have come about. Uh, we appreciate farmer's hen house being able to work with the farmers and stay close with the farmers and the farmers have got confidence with Farmer's Hen House that, and, and the local bankers as well. They've got confidence in Farmer's Hen House in such a way that they're willing to work with their farmers because they've got Farmer's Hen House. That's, that's the egg buyer and they yeah. consider them a strong company. Yeah, so th there's a good reputation there. Right. And so, um, you know, in the, the group of farmers that are contracted with Farmer's Hen House, it, 
it, it, does it seem like a pretty tight community? Is it, I obviously I know you have what, two son-in-laws that are also farmers, right? Contract right. with the farmer's house. Do you have other relatives doing it oh, as yes. well? Oh yes, I've got nephews and, and uh, cousins and, and friends and so forth, yeah. So, so there's a lot of camaraderie amongst would you say the farmers of Farmer's Hen House? There is. And that's probably indicative too of just the fact that this is a, a historical community where families have been here for, for right. many generations. I may want to add this while we're talking about the financial side of it. That after we started with the organic farming, at about the time we started with egg production, I, uh, one day when I got to the bank, banker asked me to come back into his room and wanted to talk to him. And so he says uh, he wanted to, he wanted more information on the organic farming methods and so forth. And uh, he heard what we're doing and, and saw what we're doing and uh, and he has had a good good uh, opinion of of getting an egg market started and, and the grain markets that we had and so forth. And so he told me then, he said you small farmers will never be able to compete with the conventional industry because of the way it's going. And so he said, uh, I've been watching this, and he said, what you're doing, he said, I appreciate it. And he said, right now, with the way the conventional markets have gone, uh, you've got three small farmers that are in financial trouble. And he said, they're gonna have to quit and go swing a hammer or do something else if they don't get some help. And so, he, he told me who two of them were. Third one I don't know, but I went to those two, and I and I uh, I, uh, I made myself available to to give them some help to get started in the organic farming system, and that's how they 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 got out of their uh, their uh, financial problem. And within a couple of years, they were good enough shape grounded well enough to where they could see daylight at the other end of the tunnel. And they never had to sell out. They stayed with the farming industry and they built a chicken house and produced eggs for farmers and house. So the local bankers have got a very good uh, uh, appreciation for farmers and house and for what we've done yeah. for the community. Yeah, that's great. Now you, you seem to me I mean, I, we've met a couple of times. I don't know you too well, but you seem to me to be a, a mentor uh, in this community. That'd be accurate as far as younger farmers and kind of helping them, mentoring them. Oh, I guess so. I guess so. Um, oh, uh, my dad was that way too. Yeah. And uh, so it's that way. And really, you know, um, I get a whole lot more feeling of satisfaction in helping community benefit than just laying up money for myself. Now why do you think that is? Because uh, the pleasure of just making a big pile of money, what do you, what's the good feeling about that? Yeah. But if you, if you do something for the community and you help someone that's underprivileged, and you help them get to the point where they can help themselves better is a whole is a good feeling to live with. Yeah, and it sounds like you've had a hand in cultivating that feeling quite a bit over the past 
few decades. Yeah, that's awesome. So now, did you ever envision yourself doing anything else other than farming? Well, I really hadn't uh, before this all took place, but but what brought this on was the way the conventional industry was taking the farming industry, and, and so something had to be done. Yeah. To, to save the small farm. Yeah. So you saw the need and the, the kind of the threat and responded to it, which I think right. is a very encouraging story. Yeah, one thing I may want to mention is when I started farming, back in 69, we had, uh, we had some egg production and milk production on our farm back then. And, uh, and, uh, and back then the land prices were like $500 an acre and the egg price was about 60 cents a dozen. But now as the years went by, as of today, land prices are like $10,000 an acre, and the egg price, organic egg prices off the farm aren't much more than three times as much as what they were back then, but mm. the land price is like 20 times higher. Wow. That's fascinating. But if we can grow our own crops for the egg production, like around 6,000 birds, about the average size, for a hundred acre farm. Yeah. And uh, we can produce enough feed for the 6,000 birds on a hundred acre farm. Yeah. And that would generate a nice income and pay for expenses. Yeah. Uh, enough of an income to uh, to to take care of a uh, family. Yeah, family. absolutely. Family of 10, right? Yes. Possibly. Um, so, you mentioned that, um, you know, obviously you started Farmers In-House to, to help support local farmers um, to be able to make a, a living off of a small farm. Uh, apart from supporting farmers, why else would you say that someone should eat Farmers In-House eggs? Oh, well... Um, why wouldn't I if I produce eggs for farmers' hen house? Oh, yeah, you're obviously biased. I know that, but but you know, I think about. I mean, you have some insight. You're maybe could be called a, an expert, pun intended. Um, but what is it? What, I mean, what would you say about farmers' hen house? Obviously, apart from supporting the farmers, um, makes the eggs special. Well, one thing that's special to me is it has. It has really helped strengthen our community. It's been bringing a lot of uh, a lot of uh, strength to the community. You know, selling the eggs uh, into all different states, bringing that revenue back into the community is pumping a lot of revenue into our community on a monthly basis, and that money funnels back to the farmers, and it goes into the hands of the. Uh, employees that work for Farmer's Hen House as well. And what uh, one real good charge I get out of it is when I uh, travel and I get to other states as far as Arizona and, uh, and uh, Sarasota, Florida, I find the Farmer's Hen House eggs in those grocery stores. Yeah. And that is really a good feeling of satisfaction. I bet. See, I thought you were going to say just because they taste better. <laughs> oh, well... <laughs> 
hey, why wouldn't it taste better if we produce some? That's right. Well, we got but, to... uh, but I'm not knocking anybody else's brand either. Sure. Their eggs is actually a nutritious food. And uh, you, Do you eat them? Yes, we eat them every day. How do you eat them? Oh, we eat them scrambled yep. or easy over. Yep, those are the ways. And hard-boiled. Hard-boiled eggs in a salad. That's great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I haven't been a, a big egg eater in my life. <laughs> now, obviously, working for farmers, having more access to eggs, I've started eating more eggs. I really like them soft-boiled. You ever eat them soft-boiled? Oh, we have, but yeah. generally we eat them as uh, scrambled eggs or uh, or uh, easy, easy over. over. Yeah, it's good. Um, so, as you... Uh, have experienced a lot in farming, you start to think about what is going to be the next iteration or the next events in the future of farming. Do you foresee anything changing just in general? Well, when you look into the future, there's one thing for sure. It is uncertain. That's certain, right? It's certain that it's uncertain. Very true. <laughs> when you look in the uh, you know in, uh, 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 in the past, the changes that have come about in the past 25, 30 years in the farming industry, it's hard to tell what we're going to see in the next twenty five years. But uh, I expect as long as we have um, companies that are willing to work with a small farmer that are willing to stop and pick up only a pallet or two per farm, then the small farmer is going to be able to thrive. Yeah. Where the bigger uh, processors and distributors, they seem to think they need to pick up a whole semi-loaded product when they stop at a farm. Yeah. So you see uh, a bright future for small farms. I do, yeah. but we still have to be willing to uh, uh, and flexible to uh, move a little bit, whatever it takes to, to we can't just um, set our bar and think we'll never change our bar because we still need to be uh, able to, uh, uh, to blend into the industry, whatever it takes to, uh, to uh, be a good viable company. Yeah, so, so people people over profit, right? That's right. It's kind of a good problem. Um, now, what about you know? Obviously, again, as we said, we're in a predominant Amish Mennonite community. It's on our packaging, obviously. Um, so, in this area, do you see that uh, distinction changing at all? Do you do you see the the Amish and the Mennonite? farms, the, the kids coming up, continuing to, to keep those farms going? Oh yes we do, yeah. The uh, young generation is still the, like it had been for the past, up until today, they, they have a desire to, uh, uh, to be farmers in the future. Yeah. And uh, the way that's going to change is mm -hmm. if the farming industry gets to the point where the children see their 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 parents struggle financially and never being able to get ahead 
then to see all the work involved with no profit, you can't expect the next generation to take a hold of that and, and keep doing it. Yeah. Because there's other things that people can do for their health. Yeah. Yeah. So which is why the model that you put in place at Farmer's Hen House at Kelowna Supernatural is an important model to be able to make sure that they That's see right. a profit, right? That's right. It needs to be profitable for everybody. Yeah. The farmer needs to get his share, but the but it still has to be priced in such a way that the consumer can afford to buy it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. So this is a, a digression from talking about Farmer's Hen House, but uh, I don't know how many people out there have friends who are Amish, but when you encounter outsiders that don't know much about the Amish faith and tradition, what are the uh, kind of the biggest misconceptions that you've experienced that people have about the Amish community? Oh, I don't know, but uh, there's numerous times I get to the point where um, where, where I meet different people and, and they've got questions and so forth. And I enjoy uh, speaking with those people and, uh, and just, you know, just... Um, uh, actually, there's been several uh, tour buses here from Germany and other places in across the waters and, and uh, they brought them to my house and we'd sit down and visit and discuss and so forth. And, okay. And, uh, hey, it's just, you know... Um, it's it's, it's uh, interesting to me. Yeah. So, um, I mean, in in energy, obviously you don't have electricity. No, we right? don't. Yeah. Um, we uh, we do uh, <clears throat> most of our stuff with uh, with some engines, and uh, we're off the grid, and. Uh, but, uh, but as time goes on, it still requires uh, some modern technology. Whatever, whatever we can get by with is what we we uh, end up having. But what we can get by without is what we uh, um, just uh, decide we don't. If we don't need that, we don't. We don't. Uh, we just do without. Yeah, yeah, that's good. And you see the younger generation. Continuing on in the faith and tradition. Yes, pretty much so. Yeah. Now, now, what is it? Obviously, you've traveled a lot. I mean, you know, started this company. There's a lot of people who, who aren't Amish here. There's a lot of people who are as well. Um, you know, you've encountered, you know, a non, you know, Amish population group people. I mean, you know, commerce and so forth. Um, I guess what is what has held you against? You know, I don't know. If there's t- Temptation ever to have electricity or those types of things? What's been your well? Your, not really, because uh, uh, when you've got your system set up in a way to, that it works without it, and you've always had it that way, you don't realize that you're uh, that uh, there would be a better way, I guess. But uh, because what we're what, the way we're doing is working well, yeah, and so there really was no reason for looking for something better. And I guess too, it depends on how you define better, right? Yeah, yeah. right. So. And, and better, you know, uh, there's, there's uh, we've got lots of friends around us that are not in our circle, and uh, 
they've got more modern technology and so forth, but they keep telling us that's not the, the answer to the, to all the, uh, to the problems that, that can come with it, so. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, talking about uh, um, um, well, what we've been discussing here reminded me of how I got started with Farmer's Hen House and, and the marketing of the eggs. Yeah. I, uh, I wanted to get some product to the West Coast. And this would have been about maybe around 1999 or close to 2000. The we didn't have uh, a vehicle to drive. Right. So me and my wife got a 30-day bus ticket, and we could go as far as we wanted to go. Yeah. And all day long. And so we took that bus and we went to the West Coast. Just the, just the two of you, right? The two of us. Yeah. And I had. A who's who book in the egg industry. Yeah. And so I visited with Petaluma Farms and Chino Valley Ranchers and about four or five others out there. And uh, we developed some business that Farmer's Hen House still has today. Yeah. And you went from what, Los Angeles, San Diego, all the way up the coast? Sacramento, or what? yes. And yeah. beyond. Wow. Went up and down the coast there about four times because when we were in one spot, um, they would they would maybe refer us to somebody up the road, okay. four hundred miles or so. You know, but they didn't want to refer us to somebody in their backyard. Right. And when we got up there, then they refer us to somebody maybe back who knows where down here. You know, so yeah. go back and forth. Yeah. Got your miles in. Um, now was that probably pretty uncommon? <laughs> for the for those companies to have a Amish guy from the Midwest show up in their offices, well, I'm sure it was. Yeah. That way, I could. I never had a problem meeting with somebody uh, when I got there because uh, uh, they looked out into the uh, office area and see me standing there with my black hat, and and, uh, and it was unusual enough for them to come up front and wondering what I'm what I need and so forth. So I. I was able to uh, to meet with them, and nobody turned me down. And yeah. Told me I don't have time today. They're always willing to talk. Yeah, that's that's great. Sounds like a uh, a good story for your memoir. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, anything else as we kind of wrap it up here that you would want those listening, those customers, or those. Maybe people who are just interested in hearing more of Farmer's Hen House story and hearing more from you. Anything you would like to share with them before we finish up today? Oh, I have nothing in mind. Just to buy Farmer's Hen House is all right. Yeah. <laughs> A shameless plug. Yeah. Well, one of the things that we like to, or well, we're start, starting to say, it's part of our kind of new slogan, is that our eggs don't just taste good, but they do good. And they do good for the hens, for the farmers, for the community, um, and for the environment. And so I think in hearing your story and just the history of farmers, we, I mean, we get to hear about 
how Farmer's Hen House is, is more than an egg, right? It's more than just an egg that might taste good. It's, it's, a, it's a company, it's a philosophy that's doing good for all these different, um, all these different things or ways. Um, but also too, it's, it's in that it's also doing good for the, the customer as well. It's a, you know, we want to be a trusted brand and be transparent with how we do things and to, um, you know, do things with the utmost integrity and excellence. And I think that's very evident as you share the history of why you started Farmers, how you started it, and how it continues on today. So anything you'd like to add to that in closing? Well, I have nothing in mind. Just keep on selling eggs. Come on, man. I'm giving you the, the microphone here to say anything you want. Um, I did, you want people to come out and visit you at your place? We'll just give your address? Or no, I'm kidding. We won't do that. I have to get on the German tour bus. To well, uh, yeah, I'm uh, I'm semi-retired, but then again, um, most days I'm tied up. <laughs> <laughs> Semi-tied up, right? Yeah. Yeah, maybe a way to put it. But no, I I enjoy visiting with uh, with um, most anybody. So yeah, I can attest to that because I because I just showed up. You didn't. You didn't really know. I, I don't think we'd ever talked before. We maybe talked on the phone a minute, and I showed up, and we had a nice long conversation. We wrote that art. That can't, that's where that article came from that we wrote. So, in, in fact, uh, Secretary Ag Bill Northey would stop at my house about twice a year just to shoot the breeze. Would he? Before he went to D.C. Yeah. Wow. See, what, what, what you really need, Eldon, is your own podcast. And, uh, and uh, Governor Terry Branstad. Okay. I've had about two visits from him already. At your place? Yeah. Now? Well, in town. In town. In town. He was, down, he was here in Cologne, and a friend of mine asked me to come down. It's, uh, you know, just yeah. a good visit with him, so we did it. Yeah. He's now in China, right? He is. Ambassador to China. That's right. Have you got you get the invite yet to go over there? Pardon? Have you got the invite to go over to China? Did Terry, oh, Terry give you that invite yet? I didn't necessarily get that invite. Okay, yeah, maybe yet to come. But. Well, then I appreciate you taking the time today to have a conversation. I think just to share more with those interested. And so we, uh, yeah, thank you for listening, all you out there. Um, this podcast called The Scramble, episode one, is brought to you by Farmer's Hen House. As I mentioned, it's an egg that not only tastes good, but does good for the hens, for the farmers, for the environment, for the community. You heard all about that today, and this is just another reason why we're more than an egg. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Enjoy eggs often. There you go. It's nature's multivitamin. Well, open your mind, babe. Take the plunge Oh, be not afraid Be not afraid of drowning Oh, you fight off the water Oh, you scare off the rain Well, you're hot and you're bothered Oh, by all these complaints I call this on a